Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Please keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times and remain seated till the show comes to a full and complete stop. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast dedicated to all of us pipe smokers all across the entire world. Coming to you from the smoke-filled studio built here at my office. Hey, let's do this a little bit backwards. Remember that announcement that I said we've got uh, coming up last week? Well, you're going to want to stay all the way till the end of the show to hear about that. I'll cover that in the end. In Pipe Parts, going to talk a little bit about some uh, pipe tips, pipe smoking tips, some stuff that I've covered already, and a few new things in there. My guest, Lee Von Erich, one of my favorite people, pipe maker extraordinaire for just over 30 years now from the uh, Northwoods of Upper Peninsula in Michigan. Music. Somewhere I've heard spring has sprung. It hasn't quite felt like it yet, but uh, we got a few flowers coming up and got my broccoli in, so I'm hoping we'll uh, have some fresh broccoli at home. But music, we're going to touch on the spring. Got a mailbag, all the usual favorites, and then don't forget that big announcement at the end. Hey, any of you uh, Joey Logano fans? If you are, stop listening now. He uh, wrecked our uh, favorite, Denny Hamlin. Hope Denny's okay. Hope he'll get uh, back in the car soon. Our own uh, Kevin Godby had a little bit of racing going on around his neck of the woods, and this is kind of what it sounded like from his uh, back door. I thought he might have recorded one of our uh, production meeting phone calls and he was uh, playing around with my voice. But no, that was actually the uh, Honda Grand Prix of St. Petersburg it's right through Kevin's neighborhood. So that was right off of his balcony. Anyway, got a big show. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to smokingpipes.com. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Here we go with the show. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at smokingpipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. Thank you. 
Welcome back. In just a few minutes, Lee Von Eric will be on the phone with me. But in pipe parts, let's go over some of my uh, pipe smoking primers or little pipe tips that I have. All right, so as I've talked about in the past, I have basically two different styles of blends that I like, straight Virginias and then Virginia Periques. I smoke both flake and ribbon cut. Here is what I do with all the flakes. I rub them, I open up the tin, open up a brand new tin, and I rub them out all the way. I rub them all the way down until I get them as loose as possible. I make sure and I break up all the little pieces, try to get them rubbed out as fine as possible. If they're still really wet, I'll leave them laying out on the counter because I like all of my tobacco blends almost on the completely dry side. I want the blends to be just a little crunchy when I squeeze them. I don't want them to crack, but I want them to be a little crunchy when I squeeze them. So once I've got the flakes all rubbed out and I've got them dried down or they're starting to dry down, then I'll mush them all back up, go through, pick out the stems again, make sure that there's no real thick pieces left, put it back in the tin and carry it around and smoke it. Do the same thing with the ribbon cuts. I take them and I flop them out onto the counter. Make sure I break up all the chunks that might still be in there because remember most blends start off their life pressed and then they're broken up again. So you will find little chunks and I want to get as many of those chunks out of the bowl as possible so that I don't have any real dense spots while I'm smoking it. So by drying it down, rubbing it out, picking out all the little pieces, now I've got a complete tin of tobacco ready to go, ready to easily load every time when I want to reach into it. Here's one thing I haven't mentioned. As I'm smoking through that tin, when I pack the bowl, the very last top layer, I'll try to reach to the bottom of the tin, and you guys that smoke bulks, you can do this with the bottom of the pouch. Take some of the little tiny pieces, the little shake pieces, the little itty bitty things that end up laying around at the end of it, and we don't know how to make a bowl out of it. All the way through the pouch or all the way through the tin, try to reach down and get some of those and sprinkle them on top and use them as the very top layer of your bowl. They work as kindling. They help create a good even burn surface. They help start the burn going. They're automatically drier because they're smaller. And they just make loading and starting the pipe going a lot easier. It also makes it easier to light, which means you're going to get more flavor because you don't have to puff as hard. You don't have to get the tobacco heated up as, as much to get the smoke pulling through it. So use those little tiny shake pieces as kindling. So I've talked about how I tamp and how I like to use the concave tamper to keep the burning surface off the side of the bowls and keep a round, a round dome of ash in the middle. I also tend not to dump ash through the bowl, and I may be one of the few people that doesn't do this. I like to keep the ash in there and keep pushing it down. It keeps the tobacco cooler as it smokes down. I find that if I dump the ash and then I have to restart over again with a little ash on top, that starts to be a little bitter. Now, here's something that I do that I don't know of too many other people that do it. Before I go to bed at night, and especially if I'm on the road because loading a bowl while you're traveling and in and out of a car is not real easy, I'll take three or four pipes, whatever I'm going to smoke the next day, load them all, do the charring light, tamp them, char them again, make sure and get a good flat surface on there, and then put the pipes 
and set them down and leave them sitting overnight. It is amazing what some blends will change into just by letting them tan, by doing the charring light at night and then letting them sit overnight. The benefit for me is that when I'm on the road or if I've got a busy day, now I've got three or four pipes all ready to go. I don't have to go through the tamping and charring light. I can just pull them out of my pipe bag and get ready and get up and get going. The other thing that I always like to talk about is keeping your pipes clean. Keeping your pipes clean. Coming up in a future episode, I will talk about the heavy cleaning that I do. But one of the things that I want you to pay attention to is the back of the tenon and that little gap between the tenon and the facing of the draft hole inside the mortise. Every couple of bowls, make sure and get in there and clean that out because... There's a little gap in there in a lot of pipes, and you don't want that buildup to get in there and get a little gurgly on you. You don't want it to get bitter. So pull the stem off, preferably when the pipe is cool. Get in there and clean out that little area. Clean out the backside of the tenon right in there in the facing of the mortise right up against the draft hole. So keep that area nice and clean. All right, there's a couple of little tips for you. Hey, let's get going, and uh, let me get Levon Eric on the phone here. We'll be back with Lee on the phone in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Northwoods Craftsman Master Pipe Maker, Lee Von Erich. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. So, Pleasure Lee, to be here. Lee, when we first met, I was a young guy, brand new on the pipe show circuit, and you were already an old man. Um, <laughs> I, I know you've been... I still am. You've been smoking a pipe now for for over 50 years you've been making pipes for about 30 years when you True. start when you started into making pipes who were your mentors um i really didn't have any one or two particular guys um he had purchased a pipe repair business from a guy by the name of dave hunter from uh, western minnesota and he had spent some time with me showing me how to make different repairs. He had a box of old pipes, a big box. Um, and he'd say, now, if you get something you've never repaired for, that's broken in a way that you've never done before, he said, take one of these out, break it the way the other one's broken, and fix it first. <laughs> so that's what we did. Um, and then he showed me how to replace stems and stuff like that. Um, the best piece of advice I ever got in my entire life, I think, was from Dave. And he told me while he was here, he said, Lee, he said, you can't go into any hardware store anywhere in the country and go to aisle four and find any pipe, uh, any tool made for pipe making. He said, you've got to be inventive. 
And I keep keep telling myself that. I see something I want to do, and I can't figure out what tool to use or, or, you know, how to get it. And all right, Dave, I'll be inventive and figure out some way to get, of uh, getting it done. But um, I would go to some of the pipe shows that were available at that time. Um, Saginaw, Michigan used to have one, and there was a small one in Milwaukee. That's where I met the Chicago guys. And there were pipe makers there and pipe repair guys there, and we'd talk and uh, I'd, I'd listen mostly and just, just picked up all kinds of tips. Talking. Um, but I repaired for a number, number of years before I uh, before I started making pipes. And just so everybody knows, when you're talking about Michigan and Wisconsin, you live on the northern shore of the upper peninsula of Michigan. So you hold True. the... You are the northernmost guest we've ever had on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, I'm I'm a long way north. You, That's for sure. You may also be the oldest. Well, that might be too. Two days older than the first. So when you started making pipes, how did I can I can identify your pipes from way across the room? How did you develop your style or your signature shaping on pipes? Well, you know, there's a little bit of an explanation here. I've had a lot of people come to me and come to my shop and, and when they first get here, I tell them, look, I can show you everything I know about making pipes, but I can't teach you how to develop your own style." Now, I have my own style, but I don't know how I did it, how it developed. Now, some of the shapes that I do, I know where it came from. But the overall style and everything, no, I, I, I don't have a clue how I did it, so how can I teach it? Um, when I first started making pipes, I was doing a lot of crazy, fancy freehand stuff. And that was a real good lesson on learning how to read the grain. You think it's going one way and it goes another and um, just mixes things up, you know. But those freehands were also, that was also the style at the time as well. Oh, yeah, they sold very well for the time. I mean, back when I first started, you could hardly give a pipe away for 50 or $75. Look what it's done. I'm... And the internet is is to blame for the explosion that we've had. You know, I've had a website since '97, and the, the internet is just tailor made for this industry. Um, you got to, you know, the, when I first got the, the uh, a website, and found a chat. There was one chat room at that time. Now there's chat rooms all over the place. There's bulletin boards all over the place, and. I'd like to participate in those more, but you got to remember, I go down to my shop very early in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And from 3 to 5, I do what I have to do in the office and so on. Um, so by the time I'm done to supper, I've been all day up to my ears in, in pipes, and i got to have something else for a hobby. So I do something else. Now, let, let's also talk about because you've been invited to go overseas 
several times. Where have you where have you gone? Oh, let's see. I've been in Milan, Milano, Italy, Bologna. Um, I've been to Cuxhaven, Germany. I've been to uh, Ockham Frank's Pipe Show in Germany. I've been to St. Petersburg, Russia. I've been to a number of cities in Japan. Um, my pipes were, first, were introduced to Japan through Pipe Do that doesn't exist anymore. And his shop was in a, um, in a town called Mission Nioma, which is right outside of Osaka. Um, but then when his shop uh, went away, uh, Suge picked them up. And I've been to Tokyo a number of times. Um, I went to, uh, went to Japan once a year from, I think, the year 2000 to 2010. And I didn't go in 11, I didn't go in 12. But I think I'm going back this year. Can you can you give us a, a brief uh, a brief idea of what the Japanese perception of you is? Because you're not exactly the shortest guy. You wear cowboy boots and <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and it's not just me. There was a time at one of the shows at, at uh, Pipe to Work where Reggie had invited a bunch of pipe makers. Uh, e. Andrew was there, Peter Heeshan was there, uh, Peter Matholz, Tony Nielsen, uh, um, Paulo Becker. Uh, and they treat us almost like we're rock stars. <laughs> it, it, it gets embarrassing, you know. You're just a just an average guy from northern Michigan that lives in an igloo and, and makes snow and makes pipes, you know. But... Uh, they're very appreciative of, of good workmanship. Uh, and, and, you know, the people that I just named, were, we all are, are pretty good pipe makers. Um, can sold a lot of pipes there. But, yeah, they, they, they treat you like some kind of celebrity. Uh, I do get some strange stares, some sideways glances because I am so tall. And I have yet to find a um, Japanese that's as tall as I am. I think the closest I came was uh, Saab Suge's uh, son-in-law, and he's about 5'10". So they weren't scared of you? No, 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 no. They're, at first, they were reluctant to uh, uh, speak English uh, because they were afraid of making a mistake and losing face. But after they got to know you, they speak English better than I do. You know? <laughs> um, it's, uh, they speak it. There was, I, I met a guy, the first time I went over, I met a guy from Winnipeg that was um, over in, he, he went to Japan as an English teacher and ended up working for the Japanese government, uh, rewriting their English um, curriculum. They got all the reading and the writing in school, but they didn't get the conversation. And that's what he was trying to write into their, their English curriculum for the schools was being able to talk because they, they can read and write English better than I do for sure. Uh, but they were just timid about, um, about speaking until they got to know you. And then 
once they got to know you, it was a different story. Then they were all right with it. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, I'm going to ask Lee some real particulars about pipe making. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. We are back. Lee is still with us. Lee, let's get into the details of pipe making for a minute because you've taught the pipe making seminar at the Chicago Pipe Show before. Uh, first of all, how many pipes a year do you make? Well, I've, I've dropped just under a hundred in the last couple of years, um, but I'm spending more time with each pipe now, and especially with the blast that I do, it's, it's um, extremely labor-intensive. Uh, it takes me a long time because I, I can't do a pipe start to finish. Uh, my eyes start going across trying to look into the sand blaster, and I got I blast for a while, and then I got to go and do something else. And I go back and blast, then I go and do something else. So, I'm in one day I might be working on three or four different pipes in one in the sand blaster, and it might take me two or three days to get it blasted. Will you tell us what kind of blasting medium you use? Um, well, there's all kinds of stuff. I actually use a, a couple of different things. Um, you can use, I, I get, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of a lab type of thing. Um, I use aluminum oxide, and you can blast with um, uh, baking soda. Uh, that was... Uh, an interesting thing. Again, be uh, inventive. Um, you know, the year that Chicago had their show at um, Indian Lake, uh, I saw J.T. Cook's pipes. And I'd seen them before, but J.T. and I had, had a little talk, and he kept telling me, he kept saying, Lee, it ain't rocket science. It ain't rocket science. And I went, so I got a six-hour drive home from Chicago, and on the way home, I'm telling myself it ain't rocket science and be inventive. So I came home, and that year I really dropped under 100 pipes because I spent a lot of time figuring out a different sand blast. That's all I wanted was a different blast. And it was just a matter of buying equipment, changing technique, uh, changing mediums, trying different stuff. You know, you spend some time and spend some money, and, and you can figure something new out. And let's go on to the other big secret. How do you cure okay. your pipes? My oil curing process. Well, you know I drive a Jeep Wrangler. Is that enough said? I, have... I spent three years developing, developing that. I gave away somewhere in the neighborhood of 150, 200 pipes. I don't even remember anymore. But that big box of repair pipes that I had, I, when I started, uh, I, I developed oil curing before I made a pipe. Um, 
I took some of those old pipes out and reamed out all the carbon, threw the bits away, and I'd do something with oil curing. And I put a bit in it, try to smoke it myself or give it to a friend or whatever, a relative. My dad was a pipe smoker. And 90% of those early ones, two puffs in it was thrown in the garbage. Go back to square one. And then I finally got something that seemed to be working. So then I bought 75 pieces of the cheapest briar I could find. Uh, I bought it from J.H. Uh, Lowe, and they were still in New York. Um, I paid like a dollar fifty or dollar seventy-five for each episode. Um and I made pipes out of those. And I, I sold or get, sold those for twenty-five dollars, or a lot of my gave away. But it went with an evaluation sheet. And I threatened them with Guido if they wouldn't to send the evaluation sheet back. When I got those back, I could tell I was on to something. And that's when I decided to start buying Goodbriar. And I started originally buying from Wiley. And now I get it all from Nemo. But the oil curing, I'm, I'm really kind of tight-lipped about because I got too much time and money invested. And oil curing is one of the individual secrets that each pipe maker over time develops themselves. Yeah, Joe Nelson does one. Um, I think Wiley, I don't know if he still does, but at one time Wiley did. Uh, He started making pipes with Edwards. And Edwards were at one time too. I don't know if they still are. But I would assume that Wiley's is close to Edwards. Um and of course, there's Dunhill and Ashton, and there's been others too that slipped my mind. But it does. My pipes, I'll, call, I'll tell you, uh, I weighed the stemmel before and after curing, and they'll lose somewhere in the neighborhood, depending on the size of the pipe. A real small pipe might lose, only lose three to five percent of their original weight. But the larger the pipe, of course, the higher the percentage is going to go. I had one pipe that lost 20%, I remember. Um, and that's nothing but sap and resins coming out. Wow. Um, uh, you mentioned a whole bunch of names of pipe makers. When you started going out to the pipe shows, who are the who are the big names at the pipe shows? Oh, my goodness. Um well, Joe Mariner in California, uh, Tinsky and Roller, uh, Tim West was around in those days. There was a guy by the name of Waddell from Iowa. There was a um, Wood, a guy named Wood from St. Louis. Um, was Butera? Sure. Was yeah, I think he was. Butera's one of, one of the top guys in this country. No, no question about it. And he's got process too and we we have exchanged a lot of notes um but mike mike's got a process that he does for curing the briar too because like me he believes when they boil that that uh plateau in water they don't get out all the fat and resin and when you can see a, a, a plateau as a briar cutters or at a pipe show, 
it's a real dark color on the outside, uh, almost a burgundy. Well, most of those, when you sand them off, it's light right underneath it. It's real light underneath. Briar by itself, sitting on the shelf, will turn dark. It turns dark all by itself. I'm working, I got two pipes downstairs. Right now I'm working on one that I think is a blast. The other is a twisted bow, a fluted twisted bow. I've had it from Nemo since uh, 05. So that piece is rather old. Uh, and it's a, it's a dark piece of dryer without stain. What pipe shows are you going to be at this year? Uh, well, the next one, of course, is Chicago. Uh, then I'm planning on Kansas City in June and Columbus in uh, August. I would like to do Richmond, but that's going to kind of depend on when and if you go to uh, Japan. Uh, because Japan's always in the fall and it's conflicted with Richmond. For one year, I went right from Richmond right to Japan. Uh, I'd like to do Vegas. And one year, I went from Vegas right to Japan on Monday morning. Um, and I should go back to St. Petersburg, Russia, and this. They're, they're after me. To, I, I, they buy pipes from me all the time and they want me to come to their show. And one of these days, I just got to bite the bullet and go. And your website... It's a long way. It's a long trip. Your website is Von Eric. It's V-O-N hyphen E-R-C-K dot com. You've got a bunch of really cool webcams. So if somebody clicks on the webcam, they can actually see what you're doing down in the shop and poke around on the different webcams. Yeah, um, yeah, at night, uh, the laptop is up on my desk, and one webcam is on pipes that I have for sale, new pipes that are finished and in, in inventory. Um, and then the, the other webcam that's in the laptop is just showing me for where I'm sitting at my desk if I'm here. Um, but during the day, that's down in the shop when I'm down there working. And it, it amazes me, Brian, and the people that come in, Come in and they, some of them sit there for a couple hours watching me work. Uh, I've sold a lot of pipes right off the bench. Somebody will put in the chat box, can you hold that up to the camera? So I hold it up and turn it around and is that for sale or is that a special order? You know, it, it's just a pipe for inventory. How much? Well, I can't price it till it's done because, um, it might not survive construction. Then what do I do? Well, if you want it, when it's done, I'll send you pictures, email the pictures and a price, and if we agree, fine. If not, I'll just put it in inventory. And I sold a ton of pipes right off the workbench. I've looked on there a couple of times, and I see an old man with a whole bunch of dust flying around him. Yeah, that's me. So we'll wrap it up. (laughs) We'll wrap it up with the fast five final questions. Short answer, no wrong or right answers. Are you ready? Uh, I guess I have to be. What's your favorite pipe? Uh, Actually, one of my own. I'm smoking it right now. And what's your favorite tobacco? uh, 
I have two that I smoke continually, and I mix them together a lot, 50-50. McClellan's 5100, and McClellan's 2010. And what's your favorite drink? I drink a lot of wine because of this um, red wine, because of this gluten allergy I have. I didn't drink beer for a long time. And even though they have gluten-free beer now, I still find myself ordering wine more than beer. And what's your and the scotch off and on. What's your favorite thing to do while smoking? Everything. I smoke a pipe from the time I get up till the time I go to bed. Um, you see me down in the shop, and there's a pipe hanging in my mouth almost all the time. And more than not, it's not even lit. And that'll uh, that'll explain the uh, that'll answer the next question because where's your favorite place to smoke? Wherever I happen to be, and I smoke a, as much as I can out in public too. Uh, I don't leave the house without a freshly packed pipe and either a pouch or a tin of tobacco with me. And with so, that, I will say thank you very much for joining us. I'll uh, see you in Chicago. Hey, if you happen to run into Lee at a pipe show, ask him about uh, flying tobacco discs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Brian. I enjoyed it a lot, man. It'd be nice to see you again after missing you in St. Louis this year. You did miss a good show. Um, traffic was real good at that show this year. And we'll be back with more of the Pipes Magazine radio show in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Welcome back. Make sure and check out Lee's Pipes, or if you see him at a pipe show, stop by, say hi to him. Great guy. Always fun to talk to. So, music for the springtime. Uh, Back in uh, February, last month, my daughter and I got a chance to sit with Dan Locklear and his wife Paula at Davidson College while they performed one of Dan's pieces. Daughter was thrilled, but uh, more on her in a little bit. Anyway, this is from Dan's Symphony of the Seasons. It's uh, spring. Thank you. 
That was the spring movement from Dan Locklear's Symphony of the Seasons. Find more of Dan's music by uh, searching him, Dan Locklear, L-O-C-K-L-A-I-R. At the end of the show, the big announcement, but right now it's... You've got some mail. Got a lot of positive feedback on uh, the interview last week with Rabbi Eric. Rabbi's a wonderful guy, really easy to talk to. That made it real easy and just a, an amazing life. So, yeah, love the diversity of the people in this hobby. Love diverse different kinds of music. All kinds of insightful folks all around the hobby. We'll get around to a lot of them. Uh, 4.Sassini says that he is a Buddhist priest, so uh, maybe I can get him on the air sometime soon and we'll get that point of view on pipe smoking. Another fella, BMDFM, says that my rants don't always, uh, that I don't always sound angry or upset. You know, I went back and I listened to a whole bunch of them over the week, and you're right, I don't. And that's fine with me, because sometimes they're just bizarre observations, and I can't get angry about them all the time. I'm not Rush Limbaugh, I don't want to get real cranky at the end of each show, and sometimes the rants will be real fired up, sometimes they'll be just uh, me being me. Uh, also got an email from a fellow that's got an older berry pipe, one of his favorite smokers, and he wanted to know that since it's old and Barry's not making as many pipes as before, should he smoke it or should he save it and keep it up on the shelf as it's going up in value? Let me say this. I don't think you invest in pipes as a uh, monetary fund. I don't think you invest in them to grow, uh, to grow value in them. I think the best value on a pipe is if it smokes well smoke it and smoke it as much as you can all right in just a few minutes the big announcement so stay tuned this is internet radio there's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine missouri meerschaum corn cob pipe an american legend since 1869 it's the coolest smoothest pipe i've ever owned check them out at corncobpipe.com Cowboy. Cowboy. Normally when we hear this, we're coming to the end of the show and it's a rant. But tonight, no rant, no rant at all. Instead, the announcement we've all been waiting for. Are you ready on a way to get a pipe and help a cause that is near and dear to my heart? Well, here it is. Six years ago, my daughter wasn't feeling well. She had flu-like symptoms for a couple of days. Finally, by Tuesday, we decided it was time to take her to the doctor. The doctor immediately told my wife, get her over to the hospital, get her into the emergency room, have her checked out. I'm going to send instructions over. Long story short, we find out that her blood sugar was up over 830. Normal adult male, around 400, would put us into a coma. The diagnosis, my daughter is a type 1 or juvenile diabetic. Nothing we could do. It's a genetic disorder that needs a whole bunch of help to find a cure. My daughter now has to test her blood sugar six to ten times a day with finger pricks. Some days she may take injections as many as five to ten a day. Sometimes she wears an insulin pump. The hardest day of my life came two weeks after she was diagnosed. The second hardest day of my life came the day that they told me that We were in the hospital, and they needed to see each one of us parents test her blood sugar and give her an insulin shot. 
I'd never given a shot before in my life. I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know what to do, but I learned how, and we took our daughter home. Two weeks later, the hardest day of my life was watching my daughter reach down, grab what little belly she had, and give herself an insulin shot right into her skin. No father is ever programmed to have to watch their own child sit there and prick their finger multiple times during the day. And still to this day, it hurts and bothers me to see her when she has to take a shot of insulin. She's able to do most things that every other kid can do. However, there are days that she just has bad days and you just have to be ready for them. Well, here's what we're doing with the Pipes Magazine radio show in conjunction with some wonderful pipe companies and you, the listeners, and briarbid.com. For the next couple of weeks, we'll be auctioning off pipes on briarbid.com. No reserve, no minimum. 100% of the proceeds from the sale of that pipe go directly to my daughter's JDRF walk team, where we will be walking with thousands of others to find a cure for diabetes on April 20th. The first pipe to start off is the Brigham Chinook Shape 426 Sandblast with an acrylic hand-cut stem that I smoked in the poster for International Pipe Smoking Day. The pipe smoked maybe four or five times. I've cleaned it up. It's in really good shape. Comes with a box and a sleeve. I'll also send, if you want, an autographed picture of me holding the pipe from that International Pipe Smoking Day poster. The pipe is up on Briarbid right now. Go to briarbid.com, register, bid high, bid fast, bid furious, because every penny that of the winning bid goes directly to help my daughter and hundreds of thousands of other kids just like her that are suffering from type 1 diabetes. If you want to learn more about the lifestyle of a diabetic, we've posted links to YouTube videos that my wife did to help promote it. One of them's about five years old, the other one's two years old. We'll post those on the shows. There's also, for those of you that don't want to bid, there's a link on there directly to my daughter's walk team for the JDRF. Any donation is much appreciated. We'll be doing this each, one pipe each week for the next three weeks. The first one, the Brigham Chinook. The auction is live now. It'll be a seven-day auction, and again, 100% of the proceeds go directly to JDRF, plus you'll get the poster. Next week I have a wonderful brand new Savinelli coming up. Every little bit helps. Every little bit will send a message and let my daughter know that there are people out there that care about her and let other parents like my, like myself and my wife know that there are people that want to help cure these kids of this life-changing condition. No, it doesn't limit her from doing anything, but it does make some days really rough. And the long-term effects of it can be devastating. So I'm asking everyone that's a listener of the show, this is the first time I've ever asked for anything personal, bid this pipe up, bid it up fast and furious. It's my own pipe, and I'm putting it up for auction. And every little bit will help. I appreciate it. That is the big announcement for the show. That is... The show for this week, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's left ratings and reviews on iTunes. Keep following me on Facebook. See me at the uh, Raleigh Show in uh, on April 13th, Saturday, April 13th in Raleigh. 
I also want to say thank you to SmokingPipes.com for helping us out. Until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get.